at that time, I was in the hospital for 15 days because of a mysterious um, neurological hematoma, which afterwards I couldn't walk uh, or um, talk very well. But um, then after being in the hospital and getting good care and having so many visits from the ministers and uh, it was it was just wonderful. Um, God uh, made an impression on me that this spot that they had found on my lung, because I had to have full body MRIs, that it was growing 45%. And I thought, hmm, I think the Lord's trying to tell me something here. I better get going on this. Then uh, after that, I just healed up so well, and we found out that I am cancer, cancer-free. And this was from a melanoma that came back after 30 years. So what I want to tell everybody is you, you need to have that relationship with Christ so that you can turn to this body of Christ and so they can just shower you with the love from the power of the Holy Spirit. Our favorite scripture is trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding in all thy ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And we've seen that in action. I'm out of air, guys. <laughs> I don't know if you caught that last line. She said, I'm out of air, guys. Um, partly because she literally just had a large part of her lung removed just a few days prior, uh, but also for Carol uh, not being able to help but share her story. In fact, when I called her and asked if she would be willing to uh, share her story, I literally didn't even finish the question before she was like, yes, yes, yes. Uh, anything that might encourage someone else in their journey. And so uh, thankful to Carol and Gil for um, for their transparency, uh, for our encouragement here today. And so what that's setting up is uh, actually a part of a series we started uh, last week. And if you're newer with us, we started, uh, my name is Brian, one of the uh, pastors here, privileged to bring you today's message. And uh, we started a series called Common Threads, where we are taking uh, what you could say are the most common issues or the common threads that run through our lives. Uh, again, whether Christian or not Christian here today, that these are things that we all face in our lives. And with that, they also happen to be, we would say, uh, the top prayer requests that we as pastors and elders uh, get on your all's behalf as the congregation. Uh, and so they're, they're the kind of things that when, they, they take up so much bandwidth of life that you could say that when they're going well, all is well. Uh, but when they're not, they can completely they just cut our legs out from underneath us uh, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, um, you know, even physically at times. And so they're the kind of things that, uh, that aren't new to us that Jesus addressed in his ministry thousands of years ago that we see recorded in scripture. 
in Matthew chapter 9, it says that when Jesus saw the crowds, uh, or really he saw the multitudes uh, of needs and the weight of those needs, that uh, these common threads that were in those people's lives, it says that Jesus, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so from there, Jesus encourages us to pray compassionately to have God's work done in these uh, common threads, these areas of our life. And then in uh, Mark 6, same account, or I should say same account in a different context, said that, again, he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. He, he began to teach them in response to these needs. And so that's what this series is all about. It's how can we prayerfully uh, be taught by God's word that God's Holy Spirit might be at work within us so that we can make uh, prayerfully make godly choices when it comes to these common threads in our lives and ask God uh, to be in the midst of them. And so uh, these common threads, they include uh, what we looked at last week. Uh, we looked at the topic of relationships. Uh, and in the weeks ahead, we're going to look at uh, the topic of God's direction for our lives. We want God's will to be done in our lives. And then we're going to look at the topic of just spirituality or faith in general that just really encompasses all of this that we want to um, give attention to in our lives. Uh, and then after that, we're going to look at finances. And today, uh, as set up by the video that Carol, again, so graciously led us in, uh, we're going to look at the topic of our health as this, again, this common thread that can at times, again, when things aren't going well, seem to take up so much bandwidth in uh, the living of our lives. And so what we've aimed to do, what we're aiming to do is what we've said is that you could say that if um, the common threads of life are the lower C common threads that we face. I gotta make sure I get my C right. It's this way for you guys. Okay. That we want to make God the capital C common thread that runs through and weaves through our lower C common threads in our lives. Uh, we said it this way. We said if, you know, life is polyester and God is cotton, we want a cotton polyester blend which is a terrible way of painting it because then it seems like life is fake and that's not what I'm getting at. I'm just saying that we want God to be woven into the fabric of our lives and uh, we want to learn how to do that uh, and specifically today when it comes to the topic of our health. And so before we dive into uh, a biblical perspective and a biblical response on the health challenges that we face, uh, let's first start with kind of zooming out a little bit and say, okay, why do we even have these as a part of our lives? Why do we even, why is health challenges and struggles and sickness, why is that even part of the human experience at all when we feel like it shouldn't have to be? Well, to understand that, we have to actually go, you could say, back to the beginning uh, of the story, of God's big story. Uh, at the beginning of Genesis, we see that in the beginning there was just God, but then God created the heavens and the earth, and then with that, the plants and the animals, and then lastly, us. He created Adam and Eve, and he said that we are to subdue or to reside in what God had created. And so God looked at all that he'd created, and he said, it is good. And it was good for about a chapter and a half. And then Adam and Eve, being deceived by Satan, uh, decided that their way uh, is going to be better. Was going to be better than God's ways, and so they they sinned against God, and that's what sin is. It's when we substitute our ways, thinking they're better than God's ways, and so they disobeyed God. They ate of the fruit of the knowledge or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and with that uh, brought a curse on all humanity, uh, which includes our for our topic today, our susceptibility to sickness, to injury, and disease. 
And so now we, you could say we live in the in-between. That, as it says in Romans 8.22, it says that now the whole creation, it says, is groaning out as if in the pains of childbirth, waiting for that time where it says in Revelation 21 that when, he, when God will, he will make all things new again. And so that's, what we, that's where we're at. But scripture also warns that we don't just sit around and wait for God to make all things new, that we are to be active and proactive in uh, bringing his perfect will as we pray each week, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he wants us to actively engage that in the living of our lives. And specifically today, how does God want to do that when it comes to our health? How can we bring a, a taste of heaven into uh, this temporary setting of the life that we live? And so to that end, we're going to look at four biblical perspectives uh, that we can have when it comes to addressing our health. Four capital C common threads uh, that, that God wants to weave into, we'd say, this lower C common thread of the issue of our health. And so the first thing, uh, the first uh, biblical perspective that we can have for our understanding of health is this. Number one, health challenges can increase our faith in God. That health challenges, why it would seem something that would defeat us or take us down, can actually increase our faith in God. The psalmist in Psalm 119, he writes it this way. He says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I obey your word. For it was good for me to be afflicted. He says, looking on this whole story of what God did, it was actually good for me to be afflicted so that I might learn your decrees. For I have now put my hope in your word. I know, O Lord, that your laws are righteous and in faithfulness you have afflicted me. May your unfailing love, may it be my comfort according to your promise to your servant. And so what the author of Psalm 119 does is he takes what could otherwise uh, maybe be meant to decrease his faith and actually does the opposite. He takes God's perspective on the matter and he understood the affliction that he faced as actually an opportunity to press into God, to obey and hope in God, it says, and to trust in God's unfailing love to be his comfort according to his promises. And so that's what he did. He let the affliction rather than decrease his faith, use that as an avenue to increase his faith, to press into God and to see what God wanted to do in him holistically as a result, not just with his health. Okay, so that's the first perspective that we, we, we should have when it comes to health challenges that we face. Uh, the second really flows out of that, and that is the possibility that these health challenges can be healed by God. That's the second biblical perspective that we see in scripture and we still see today that God does do miracles. Um, and really the topic of miracles could be a topic in and of itself, uh, but two understandings when it comes to God working a healing miracle and why he does that. First, God does healing miracles, practically speaking, to help those in need. He does it to help those in need. We see this in uh, Matthew. Uh, again, we looked at Matthew chapter 9 last week and a little bit earlier this morning. But then again in Matthew 14, same setting. Jesus lands, sees a large crowd, and he has compassion. He has compassion on them for the needs that they have. And in this case, it says, and he healed their sick. That God chose to bring healing to those present to help those in need. 
And so that's the first reason God heals, and that would make the most sense. But then also recognize there is a second reason. And I would say the primary reason for which God does bring healing. And it's always to be a response to the first, that even when God does that to help us, that the primary reason God heals is secondly, healing miracles are intended ultimately to bring glory to God. That every time there's a healing miracle where God's at work, the goal of that is to bring glory and credit to God. Uh, We see this in, in John chapter nine. It says that as Jesus went along, He saw a man that was blind from birth. And so his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus responds, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed. And they might be displayed in him. And so that's what Jesus does. He goes on to heal that man, to uh, display God's power at work in him, and to, going back to the first point, to increase faith, to increase his faith in God, to uh, increase, you could say that God uses miracles to increase all of our faith in God, regardless of where we're at. Maybe we're, maybe we don't even have a relationship with God. Maybe we do. Every time God is doing that healing miracle to bring glory to himself and to increase our faith, again, whether far from God or close with him, uh, our, our faith in him to increase that. And so we recognize that that, in, our, in all honesty, our modern scientific minds, that this, there's, there's, um, there's some tension there when it comes to believing in miracles and that God can heal because it doesn't feel very scientific. Um, and in fairness, it's not. I mean, and that's why it's called a miracle uh, because it stands often outside of science in that. So I'll admit having faith in that can be, um, you know, just because I'm up here behind this little square podium doesn't mean it's not hard for me to, to have faith that God can work a miracle. But just to be completely transparent about my struggle with this, I remember a few years ago we did, uh, we hosted a healing service uh, on, on a Sunday evening where um, we wanted to pray specifically for those uh, who needed healing. And I remember being... A little intimidated by the whole process and, and wanting to have a lot of faith for what God could do, but also struggling knowing that sometimes God doesn't heal and, and how to manage that tension. And I remember playing, praying with a lady from our church, a lady by the name of Patty, who she had just discovered she had uh, a breast cancer, a tumor in her breast. And so we're praying together. And I remember praying with her again with that tension of, I want to pray boldly in faith that healing could take place, but at the same time, you know, we, go, we went through all this trouble. We're doing all of this. And what if she's not healed? And so I remember not really being sure what to pray. And I found myself praying this prayer that can't come straight out of Scripture. And I want to remind you of that story. If you're not familiar with it, um, I'll teach it to you. But it's a story in Mark chapter 9 where a father brings his son to Jesus for healing. He's having seizures. The seizures, it's caused by demon possession. So he's like, throwing himself into fire and all kinds of terrible things. And so this father comes desperate. Mark 9, 22, he says to Jesus, if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. And Jesus responds, quote, if you can, and says everything is possible for one who believes. And so immediately the boy's father exclaimed, and here's the prayer, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. I do believe, but help me also overcome my unbelief. And so he speaks to this tension to Jesus, and Jesus does go on to heal the boy. And uh, that's exactly what I prayed. I, did, I couldn't even remember the story. I remember praying with Patty, and I, was just, and I just said, and like that one guy said in the Bible, 
We do believe God, but help us in the spaces of our unbelief. And so that's what we do when we pray for a miracle. Every time we recognize there's this tension. And uh, to that particular credit of what God did, uh, that next week she went back and got another scan and the tumor was gone. It was no explanation. The doctors had no explanation. Uh, it was a miracle. She was healed. And I'm sitting here saying it and you're saying it, it's like, really? And it's amazing. We're, it's like we're still surprised that God does miracles even though we hear that God does miracles. Um, and so... I do recognize that with that story and with Carol's story, that for every one of those stories, there are at least an equal number of stories uh, where we pray just as fervently, try to have all the faith in the world, and for some reason, God did not heal. And so, you know, it's that, you know, Pastor Wayne talks about this all the time, that if we could understand God's ways, if we could understand his mind, in fact, it says in Isaiah 55 that his thoughts are far above our thoughts, and we can't box God in. We have to trust in his sovereignty and what he's doing throughout all of it. His ways, it says, are greater than our ways, and we have to trust in that sovereignty. And nevertheless, our response is still that first point, to increase our faith by actively pressing into him, even when healing. This side of heaven, we could say, does not take place. But to those who would say, you know, even when healings do happen and the story about Patty or thing, you know, just, you know, it's hard not to believe that there's just some coincidences that happen when we pray for these things. Well, I love what uh, William Temple, he's a 20th century bishop of the Church of England. He says it this way. He said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. And so we pray and we pray in faith and where we don't have the faith. We ask God to fill in the rest. And so these first two points, uh, they really are our response to health challenges. It's how we can respond and react to largely things that are outside of our control, how we can press into God and ask him to be at work in the midst. Um, but from there, how do we be proactive? You know, maybe we don't have a health challenge in our lives that's immediate or imminent or acute at this time. And so the third uh, capital C common thread that God wants to weave into our lower C common thread of our health is this, to proactively be intentional in caring for your health. Take care of your health as much as it depends on you. Take care of yourself. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples. They're temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. You see, God did not create us as just spirits alone, where we just kind of float around bodiless, but he chose to give us a body. And not just a mere meaningless shell where everything that's actually real is non-physical. Um, there's some philosophies that would speak to that. No, Scripture says that our bodies are actually the dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit. That if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, that God resides within us by the power of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is within us. In fact, in 1 John uh, uh, First John actually says that he abides in us. And that word abide in the Greek, uh, it, it literally means that to take up residence, to live somewhere. And so that's what's happened. God has taken up residence. We are the temple of his Holy Spirit. Therefore, Scripture says, we are to honor God with our bodies. 
And so when it gets to some of the practicalities of this, of, okay, what does it look like to, to take care of ourselves and things like that, I, I realize that this can be a very uh, sensitive subject, you know, for dozens of different reasons. Everything from, you know, the individual backgrounds in which we come at this, uh, the specific stories we have, the struggles, uh, and just various perspectives that we have. In fact, I was even joking with a staff member uh, at the front end of this week when I was writing this message, uh, I was just like, me. I think I'd rather preach on giving money than mess with people's diet and exercise in a sermon. But <laughs> nevertheless, here goes. So, <laughs> because because God's word does have a word for this for us on this. And so, before we get into the the kind of the practical side of it, I, I do want to recognize as we've already started to, uh, you could say, the why behind the what. That if we are the temple of God's Holy Spirit, what does that look like in the living of our life? And so the why behind the specifics really is uh, what Jesus said, actually, in John 10, 10. He said, I have come to give you life. I have come to give you life and have it to the full. And so while that is, by and large, a spiritual understanding, we also know that there are, that's a holistic understanding, that this has implications for our health throughout all things, mental, emotional, relational, all these common threads we're looking at, and then specifically today, also physical. And so one of the ways in which Scripture tells us to live life to the full, it says in Colossians 3 that whatever we do with our bodies, that whatever we do, whether in word or deed, that we are to do it all onto the Lord Jesus Christ. And so in short, the why behind all this is that we want in our lives to live the life to the full. We want to have, you could say, the best energy possible for all that God has for us so we can live our lives to the best of our ability onto him and have the energy to support that. So that means having, uh, you could say, energy for the different contexts in which God has called you to, because we're all in ministry, whether you have pastor by your title or not. We've all been called to minister in specific contexts, whether having energy for the work that God has called you to in your lives, whether having energy for uh, being a part of your family and serving and leading your family, having energy for, um, you know, whatever the gifts and talents God has given you to serve him in this life. And so I'll say for me, that is, this, is, this is my primarily, the lens I have when I understand taking care of my health, that I want to have for what God has called me to do in this life. I want to have the best energy possible for serving his church, for leading my family, uh, and then just every other area of life, you know, to being a good neighbor, to uh, when I get to help out coach uh, my kids' ball teams and, and then the community that I'm in, uh, to even when I go to the gym, I see that the friendships and the relationships I have some of them go to our church. Many of them do not. I see that as my ministry, as my opportunity, and I want to have the best energy for all of that. And so that is the why behind the what. We want to have the best energy in order to live this life that God has gifted us with and live it to the full, as Jesus said. So that's the why. Now for a little bit of the what. So this is what that looks like. We understand that first, we want to give attention to our diet uh, or our nutrition or what you could say we put into our bodies and also what we choose not to put into our bodies. First Corinthians 1031 says that whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do regarding your body, again, do it all for the glory of God. 
And so you have, to, you have to examine this for yourself. Is the rhythm of what you are consuming and not consuming, eating, drinking, not eating, not drinking, other substances, um, even other things about your body. This kind of actually, this actual context, this passage talks about even just sexual immorality and what we're exposing ourselves to in that regard. Are you honoring your body, 1 Corinthians 6.20, and is it honoring to God, 1 Corinthians 10.31. I think it's funny when it comes to this particular topic of nutrition, how often we, I could say, accidentally ask for miracles in this regard. Um, a few weeks ago, Pastor Wayne and I were uh, on a trip with our building committee over to Springfield. We were taking a look at Westside Christian Church. Uh, they had just remodeled their auditorium, and we're in the process of looking at some next steps for a new auditorium for us so that you know the East and the West shall become one again with the two rooms and all that. And uh, as we were leaving, uh, the time was a little bit past what would normally be dinner time, and so we thought we might grab a quick bite to eat on the way home. And um, out of the corner of our eye, and before I tell the story, I want to give this guy some credit because I ate a lot of lunches with this guy and it's a lot of salad with chicken or salmon and no dressing gross <laughs> so he he's he is a good boy he, he behaves well in this area but as we're driving out of Springfield we see out of the corner of our eyes uh, these red letters that say five guys and um, so Wayne looks at the five guys and looks at me and it's kind of this look like it's been a really long time <laughs> since I've had a hamburger. And, uh, and he knows I'm the worst accountability partner for anything like that. So we, uh, we, we pull in and we go and uh, we, uh, we sit down and in true Wayne fashion, I don't know why he doesn't like to pray. He's a pastor, but he always says, Brian, why don't you pray for us? And so I guess I'm a better pastor. I just don't know. <laughs> Sorry, you shouldn't have sat in this service. I don't know. So I, I begin to pray what would typically be a traditional prayer you'd pray before a meal. Uh, but as I'm starting to say, I start to feel a little uncomfortable with it. You know, like, God, I thank you for this, you know, greasy burger and fries with extra greasy grease and, uh, you know, this bag that looks like it was dropped into a pool. But that's not water, it's grease on the bag. And I pray that this meal would nourish our bodies. <laughs> and our bodies to your service. Amen. So we did share. We split fries because we knew there were plenty. That's good. And so, we, so sometimes I think our prayer before meals, they're less of a blessing for the meal and they're really like a full level like televangelist, like miracle, like <laughs> let this do something that it's not intended to do. So the reason I share that is why I in one point say, yes, we should give attention to, to this. We don't necessarily need to go all militant and say that, you know, every, so again, that's why we each have to come at it from our own perspectives, our own stories and our own discernment for God's Holy Spirit. So, okay, where are we at in this? And what's an appropriate rhythm of what we're putting into our bodies and not putting into our bodies? All right, because again, we wanna, we, wanna, we wanna fuel, what's the fuel you could say that energizes us for life and life to the full that God wants for us? All right, the second aspect of that is uh, from what we put into our bodies and what we don't and all that is what we're doing with our bodies regarding physical activity, uh, or you could say exercise. And uh, when it comes to this, a, a couple Thanksgivings ago, my, um, my wife and my sister-in-law, they ran uh, on Thanksgiving uh, a 10K. 
Um, no, thank you. Uh, but when they came back from it, they had this, um, this pretty cool shirt. And anyone who's ever run a race or anything like, I don't know if you've ever seen or you've seen them around, but they're like these like, you know, they're athletic material, they're long sleeve, they're always long sleeve, or most of the time. And, and they're just kind of cool. They're like, I've seen some of your like Shoreline Classic or Chicago Marathon shirts. They got like little endorsements, like you're a NASCAR just walking around. Um, just this shirt that just is like, yeah, I run. And I got the sanctioned event shirt to prove it. And so I thought, that's a cool shirt. And so next year, this, this most recent Thanksgiving, my sister-in-law asked, you know, hey, Brian, do you want to run this 10K with me? To which my honest response was, if I could get one of those cool shirts. And so I said, sure, fine. Um, so if you can't already tell, I'm not a big fan of running. I will, I'll run after an ice cream truck. <laughs> I will run from a bear. But I do not run for fun. Um, but I will run 6.2 miles for a cool shirt. And so I signed up for this, uh, this run on Thanksgiving morning, and people were even asking me, you know, like, going, oh, so you excited about your, your 10K? I said, I'm excited about my 10K shirt. And um, so for your, for my efforts, my trophy that I get to wear around for all my uh, good work on that day is this. If you can't read that fourth, third word there, it says trot. <laughs> now, I'm no like measure of coolness and factors, but there's nothing that screams cool about the word trot. How do you even trot if you don't have four legs and are a horse? I don't get it. <laughs> and I've got to add, it doesn't help that they did it in like bubble letter Dunkin' Donut font. <laughs> that just screams runner, you know? So, a little disappointing, but the, uh, it's funny, the tech team hates when I wear black shirts because they said it makes it, you look like a floating head on the <laughs> screen when I do the side things here. Don't worry. Dressing in front of hundreds of people, not awkward at all. <laughs> One more. All right. All joking aside, there is plenty of research that speaks to that when we exercise, when we are breathing and our blood is flowing, uh, we, we are getting oxygen to our blood, that and this is, these endorphins are released, that actually elevates our mood. Uh, you actually sleep better. Your mind is sharper. Uh, and again, it gives you the energy to do all that God has called you to do, to live life and life to the full. In fact, to those who would say, you know, I've tried the extra thing. I just can't fit it in my schedule. I do not have the time. Interesting, the research actually reveals that by exercising, the energy and the benefit that comes from that actually causes you to get to be more productive because you have the energy to get more done in less time because of the energy that's the benefit of that physical fitness. So it's actually a kind of an opposite effect that by the time you invest that on the front end, you actually get more out of it, um, you know, after kind of getting into it a few weeks. So, um, so for all that, if you're like, I know this is something I need to give some attention to, but I just have no idea where to start. Um, there's actually a group uh, from our church who is committed to this whole understanding of, of holistic health and what God wants to do to give us life and life to the full and energy for that uh, through a ministry called um, 
Fitness at First. And uh, we've been doing this for a, a number of years now. And uh, they meet uh, Tuesday and Thursday mornings at 5.45 a.m. Yeah. Win the morning, win the day. That's what they say. And so uh, they actually, they, um, we've been partnering over at St. Paul's. They have a ton of space there in the old back rack building. So they can get a lot uh, more of their wiggles out over there. And so you just, you don't have to sign up or anything. You can just show up at 545. And um, it's all fitness levels, all ages. It's a, it's a huge mix. And um, Melanie Brown, who leads that, is really great working individually. So if it's, you know, walking to gyms and all that stuff totally freaks you out, you know, get in touch with her. She will, you know, she's like a pro at all that stuff. She will help you take the steps uh, to get started in that. And so uh, that's, that might be something that's for you. So again, we want to take care of our bodies through nutrition, through our physical activity. And then third, also we want to recognize that we need appropriate rest. Rest is, again, tons of stuff on how important that is, getting a minimum of seven hours of sleep, eight even better, um, to again, our energy and all the things we can do. And the Bible, it, does, it speaks a lot to these rhythms of rest and work and Sabbath, they call it. Uh, and so make sure, you know, you're getting plenty of sleep. And so if you need a kind of a clue for that, I would say if you're staying awake to the point that the only thing on television are the infomercials telling you to buy their diet and exercise equipment, it's probably time to go to bed. Okay, so that's your rule of thumb. That's your that, that's for free. That's your tip of the day. All right. So big picture before I kind of get down too far on the wrong track and sound like an infomercial ourselves. Remember that the why behind the what is that we have been given this gift of a life that Jesus wants us to live to the full. And so we want to have the energy for that by honoring God. First Corinthians ten twenty one by caring for our bodies, which is the temple of the Holy Spirit. First Corinthians six twenty. And so to that, uh, this last point, this fourth point, really encompasses all of this, that regardless of where you come at this today, remember, maintain, prayerfully, be engaged with God's understanding of this through his word and through prayer, prayerfully maintain an eternal rather than temporal perspective on your health. Maintain an eternal rather than a temporary perspective on your health. And here's some of the ways in which that looks. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about uh, this situation, this health challenge. Actually, we're not really sure what it is. Scholars believe it was probably a health challenge. He said a thorn in his side. And, um, and so he asked God to heal him of it. But God actually chooses not to heal. And instead, in his sovereignty, says this. Paul says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. But God said to me, my grace, my eternal grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect, actually, in your weakness. And so we are reminded that the Lord tells us that when it comes to the, the challenges of health that we face in this life, to remember and cling to his grace that is sufficient enough, that is yes for that present time, understanding that there is eternal reality in that. And so have an eternal perspective, even on the health challenges that Again, understanding God's sovereignty and not understanding it all the time that even if this side of heaven is not fully healed, we have grace that is sufficient for us that will carry us regardless and no matter what. And then one more note on having, you could say, an eternal perspective on our health is that when it comes to those of you who, how can I put it? I guess maybe this is an easier sermon for you as you listen to point three about nutrition and exercise. You're kind of sitting there and you're like, Kind of got your pecs sticking out like, I got this. You know, this is something I do. Um, I offer a different caution for, uh, for, for those of you who would kind of fit in that space. It's uh, 1 Timothy 4.8. He says this. He says, 
for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present and the life to come, the present life and the life to come. And so as we've demonstrated, there is certainly value in physical training, healthy uh, approach to diet and exercise and all that. But for some of you, it has surpassed contributing toward, you could say, life and life to the full. It has gone past bringing glory to God as a tool to bring glory to God and has become, perhaps for you, an area where you're bringing glory to yourself. In fact, I've even heard people put it that way when it comes to maybe weight training or running. It's like, man, running is my religion. And so for maybe for you, it's become an idol, something that you have used to glorify you rather than as a tool for the energy to glorify God. So for you, you might need to reevaluate priorities on a different perspective. And you might even have to work out less. It just depends. Again, why it's so important that we come at this from our each different angles, uh, remembering ultimately that, yes, physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise both for the present life and the life to come. It's funny. It reminds me of this T-shirt I've seen, and I, I wonder if you guys have seen it, but it says, it says exercise, uh, eat healthy, uh, die anyway, or something like that. Yeah, eat right, exercise, die anyway. And even that shirt's cooler than mine. So, um, but I would say, and better yet, scripture would say, eat right, exercise, but live anyway, both in the present life and the life to come. And so you have to prayerfully discern what is God telling you in regards to his temple of the Holy Spirit and having life and energy for the full. Um, and so to help you in this, beyond just an hour on a Sunday morning, the other 167 hours of the week, uh, we have uh, provided for you uh, a little reminder. And so you'll find uh, somewhere, it looks like they're on the inside aisles here, these little cups uh, with a red thread in it uh, that we are inviting you to use as a prayer prompt that every time you see that, it's a reminder to pray about whatever, again, God's trying to work in your life in this area. And so you can tie it on your wrist. I've got mine and I've got the next three weeks as well. Um, as far as the th we're going to keep handing out these threads, uh, you could tie it on. I've seen on purses and keychains and all kinds of different things. But the idea is every time you see it, you just offer up a prayer. Okay, God, help me with whatever it is that you want him to help you with. And so if you missed last week, we did a blue thread for relationships. Uh, so you can get a blue thread if you want to complete your, you know, your buddy bracelet or whatever these things are. Um, friendship bracelets, I think that's what they're called. And uh, you can get that at the Welcome Center. And if you missed the message, you can catch those online or we actually have an app that you can listen to them or watch them on as well. Uh, and we'll continue to hand these out. So the, this week, the red string is like, we're thinking like, I don't know, healthy arteries or something, whatever, it's fine. But as you're wrestling, you know, with your teeth to try to figure out how to get that on or your neighbor is making friends, friendship bracelets, whatever, as you get that thing tied off, one quote I want to leave you with that I, uh, I, I think just encompasses what we should have as a perspective when it comes to making God this capital C common thread through all of our lives, common threads, particularly when it comes to health comes from a guy by the name of William Sankster. Uh, he was a British World War I general who actually went on to become one of the most well-known British preachers of the 20th century. Uh, but throughout his life, one day he realized he had an uneasiness in his throat and uh, his leg was starting to drag. And so he went to the doctor 
and he found out he had an incurable disease uh, that was going to continue and gradually uh, break down his muscles um, and even his ability to speak. And so with that, he threw himself into his work uh, of writing, which he could still do, uh, as well as to prayer, figuring he could do that and he could have more time for prayer. And so gradually over time, his legs did become useless and his voice uh, went out completely. But William could still hold a pen. And so on Easter morning, just a few weeks before he died, he wrote a letter to his daughter. And in that letter, he wrote these words, and this is the quote I want to leave you with today. He says, It is a terrible thing to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout, He is risen. But it would be still more terrible to have a voice yet not want to shout. William Sankster had discovered the truth of 1 Timothy 4.8, that yes, physical health is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding the promise both for the present life and the life to come. And so to that end, um, I invite you to pray with me. Actually, we're going to have Debbie Sullivan, one of our elders, um, who is a part of praying about these common threads in your life on a regular basis. She's going to close our time or close our message uh, in prayer. And so, Debbie, thank you for that. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we are so thankful that we can gather together and approach your almighty throne, Lord God. So it is with humility that we come, Lord. And we seek your unfailing love, Lord God. For we know within those gathered in this place and those that have gathered throughout the weekend, there are many health concerns, Lord. Some that may be very serious. And Lord, we know with some of those diagnoses, individuals and family carry fear within their hearts, Lord. And we ask, Father, for the comforting work of your Holy Spirit. Father, we pray and ask that you would increase our faith as we meet these situations in life, Lord God. We thank you for the medical community. And we ask, Father, that you would bless them, that you would give them skill and divine wisdom, Lord, as they treat and as they minister. But Father God, we do not want to miss the opportunity to seek you out as the Almighty Physician. We ask that you would demonstrate your grace in healing power. We ask that you would show your compassion, and we even ask for miracles, for you are a miracle-working God. We do believe, Lord. We approach you in faith this morning, but you, we ask you to help us in our unbelief. We ask, Father, that you would bring glory to your name, that you would enable us to pray boldly trusting you. We pray, Father, that you would forgive us where we have failed to give you thanks and the glory due your name, citing coincidences 
or all other sorts of explanation. Open our eyes and open our understanding, Lord. Help us to connect the dots where you have heard our prayers and you have answered in your love and your care, Lord. Father, it is our prayer that we would live a life that honors you in relation to caring for ourselves. You have knit and formed each one of us together. And now, Lord, you've given us responsibility to care for that miracle. Where we are weak, Lord, we ask that you strengthen us. And where we make excuses, Lord, we ask that you convict us. Help us to live life to the full. Jesus Christ paid a high price that we might know abundant life. And so help us, Lord, to live that out in a way that brings glory to your name. We ask that you grow us in godliness. Lord, it is our desire to trust in you with all of our hearts. And Lord, where life doesn't make sense, help us to not fall into trying to reason and trying to lean upon our understanding. But Lord, in all of our ways, we submit to you. For you are our God and you are good and you are glorious. And so we pray in faith in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.